Hey guys, welcome to the Change Up Podcast. Josh and Chad here. This is where we talk about culturally relevant topics, but we look at them through an honest gospel worldview. Let's get it. Well, he's back, ladies and gentlemen. All right. How was your vacation? It was fun. Yeah, we had a lot of a lot of fun, actually. We got to see some manatees up close. Went to the Wiki Washi Sea Cow. Sea Cow. It's a natural spring in Florida, um, about an hour north of Clearwater. Dude, don't give up your honey hole. And uh, yeah, it was nice. They the manatees come up in there to like feed and get away from stuff, so that you what just do they eat. Just like I mean, they're sea cows and basically. Grass and I don't know, like just sea grass. Yeah, just stuff underneath, like just vegetation. Do they have sea milk? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't know. I've never, I've never milked a manatee. <laughs> <laughs> Probably can. Yeah, but it was awesome. Uh, we saw four of them, and as close as you and I are right now to our kayak, you could reach out and touch them if you wanted to. They would come up and just swim next to you. They're so used to people, mm-hmm. and uh, it was really, it was really neat. It was fun for the kids too. So. We had some good adventures, and uh, I've heard those things like they're kind of a hazard because boats will run over them yeah. and they'll just like tear up. A I think crop. that's why they love coming up in that spring because it's basically a no wake. Like you can only use kayaks and little stuff like that, and people are very like mindful of the manatees, and so yeah. it's like a safe place for them to come. I think. Let's talk about protecting the manatees today. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Anyway, I was I actually digress. I was going to bring up <clears throat> something that happened while you were gone. Yeah. I don't know if you got caught up on it, but it was a— um, I was pretty unplugged, so catch me up. It was a Supreme Court ruling mm-hmm. that—let me see if I can articulately put this. They found—so the 1964 Civil Rights Act, Yeah, um, part of that act banned discrimination mm-hmm. against sexes. There's no sex discrimination. Yeah. You know, we look at it as primarily rights for African Americans and voters, but there was a lot under that law. Well, the one statute that— uh, provided no discrimination for sex, the Supreme Court just mm-hmm. ruled that the LGBTQ person is inv- included now within that sex. Okay. So it was, there's a lot of like... So was that originally meant to be like women's rights type of stuff? Yes. Not like um, homosexuality. Exactly. So they redefined mm-hmm. the words that they used mm-hmm. to include LGBTQ. Okay. Which is... In- Incredible that they were able to do that because what they essentially did, they call it legislating from the bench. Mm-hmm. Like the Supreme Court is the justice branch. Like they don't legislate. They don't create new laws. Mm-hmm. They just look at the laws and say, is this right or wrong? And so they essentially changed the law, which mm-hmm. is the congressman's job. And yeah. so that was pretty crazy that they were able to do that. Um, it's also crazy that what they did, they included um, – you know, barring what the topic is, they went back and redefined what a word meant. Yeah. Which you're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to take a law um, in the time that it was written, what they were meaning at that time. Mm-hmm. You know, if they use a word that wasn't as popular or something, you have to get in their heads and think like, well, what were they meaning when they wrote this law? We want to uphold that law. Yeah. If we need a new law, that's fine. The legislation, le- legislative branch can create a new law. That's the way it works, you know. And I don't want to um, be condescending, but I didn't understand any of this. I had to get <laughs> yeah. get woke on it because I skipped that part in American history. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, pretty remarkable consequences, too, for the law. Like, basically now, as an employer, you cannot discriminate on someone because of their um, – their disposition or their gender. Mm-hmm. So if someone's confused about their gender or unsure or they they say they're a woman but they're actually a man. Yeah, we're not, you, we're no longer talking mechanics of gender. We're talking Yeah, biological. It was biological. It was pretty obvious there's a man and there's a woman. Yeah. Well, now we we have a part of our society that believes there's a spectrum. Gender is a spectrum mm-hmm. and everyone falls somewhere along the it's spectrum. more based on feelings, like how you feel, mm-hmm. yeah, than it is about like, like you said, biological, like scientific evidence or whatever. It's it's more feelings based at the point. 
this point. Yeah, and like you could kind of tell the future a little bit and mm-hmm. see like, okay, one day, even you as a pastor or as you know, head of the Nehemiah, mm-hmm. someone may come in there and because they don't align with a Christian worldview, yeah. they will see homosexuality as okay. Yeah. And they will even further, they will see transgenderism as okay. Mm-hmm. And for you to say, no, you can't work here because you have that belief, that's discrimination. Sure. And I'm, I'm not saying that's going to happen tomorrow, but, but that's the, that's, that's the that's slippery the, slope. That's the that, logic of how this goes. Yeah, essentially. I mean, I would argue that. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I think that's the... Because if not, you're going to have to find a lawyer out there that's going to, like, um, protect your, uh, what do you call it? Like religious rights or... or not uh, protect you, but... Ability to... They're going to fight for you in that realm, mm-hmm. which in the, the world we live in, like, that's a hard realm to hold a biblical worldview in right. the court system. This lost, <laughs> it was six to three. Mm. Uh, the justices voted six to three against, or for it, I'm sorry. Yeah. And like three of those were like conservative nominations by Bush and Trump. So mm-hmm. it's like, whoa. So yeah, Trump's been mad because uh, the guys he picked are like voting against him kind of in a way. Yeah. Well, I think there's a few things that we need to lay out. Um, one of the things that we're very... Um, committed to and convicted to do the whole point of this podcast is to help people who are listening think about things through a biblical lens so this is something that's very relevant to all of us and so how do we how do we break this down how do we how do we make sense of what's happening in our world how do we make sense of of homosexuality um that's a real thing a real struggle for some a real um it hits close to home is what I'm trying to say. I mean, many of us have friends or family members, uh, neighbors, um, more and more. Uh, we're, we're meeting people in our everyday life who identify as homosexual and, and, or have that bent or some sort of, um, on that spectrum, if you will. And so how do we, as Christians, how do we think through that? How do we approach that? How do we interact with that? How do we, how do we love our neighbor, even though biblically we can't agree with with that position, right? And so we got to really kind of break this down, I think. And and I want to help us think as biblically as possible and answer some questions. Um, we're not, we're not going to be able to exhaust everything today in a podcast. Well, yeah. I, so we just had that experience where we met. Mm-hmm. Uh, we met an individual who, like, kids same age as ours, right. invited us over. They're married, mm-hmm. two, two women. Yeah. And so you can deal with it theoretically, sure. but, like, now it's real for us. And yeah. It's like, okay, how yeah. are we going to yeah. go about doing this? Because these are real people in, in our worlds. And I almost feel even more of a call yeah. because I don't want them to feel rejected by us not taking them up mm-hmm. on their offer because— they know that we're Christians because we spoke about that. Yeah. And they still invited us. Yeah. You know, so it's like. That's awesome. Um, And I think one thing I want to address, let's start with how does it even get to the level of civil rights, right? How does homosexuality, how how do we get to this place to where we're now talking about it in the same level of race, you know, or gender or identifiers of of how God's created man and woman and all these things? How, How has it gotten to that? degree to where it's seen on that equal playing field, that equal level where they're fighting for civil rights and everything like that. And I think a big proponent for that, and I think we have to think through as Christians, um, is how we've treated people who identify as homosexual over the the decades uh, and centuries. Um, so I'm speaking more about just our conduct. How do we, how should we treat people who differ in Yeah, like opinion. people may have in the past viewed them as less than human. Right, and that's what has happened. There's Which been a is lot wrong. of hate crimes, a lot of very egregious things that have been done to people who identify as homosexual um, or who even struggle with uh, that same-sex attraction and treat them as less than, bullied them, hate crimes, even killing, um, doing some things that are that are not right and 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 honestly it's it's something that's happened within the church just as much as outside of it and so 
there is no trusting of the church when it comes to treatment of individuals like that. They don't come to the church in order to find answers or hope or, or ask questions any longer. They just feel like they'll be immediately rejected or, or yeah. hurt by the church. Right? Well, let's, let's take that topic first. So what mm-hmm. is it in the Christian, first of all, that's unable to love and treat these people with respect? Like where does that stem from? Well, I think, um, well, I think the, the verse you brought up earlier, uh, if you want to read it, Second Timothy, I think it was 2.24 and 25. Uh, 2.23, 2.25, yeah. Yeah. 3.25. Yeah, read that for us. Having nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies, you know that they breed quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness, God may perhaps grant them repentance leading to a knowledge of the truth. Okay. So you asked me why would we as Christians treat people who struggle with this particular sin issue, which we do see it as sin biblically, and I'll explain that more throughout the podcast, why we see it as sin, because I know it's a question for many. But in our own sin, in our own sinful reactions, our own pride, our own harshness, our own uh, ignorance, whatever the case may be, we tend to look down upon others to even elevate ourselves at some points. And and this sin issue of homosexuality has been elevated as sometimes a worser sin uh, than others, even though it's not true biblically. And um, and oftentimes treating the people who struggle with it as less than human, even though what we should be thinking as Christians is these, all humans are created in the image of God, right? Doesn't matter what their struggle is. We should treat them as God's creation with, with that equal respect, realizing we all have sin that we struggle with. And so we shouldn't look down upon anyone else for, for something they struggle with. So it's pride. Pride, absolutely. Also, um, realizing that, that it's not any different than our own sin, so I think a lot of times in our pride, we see it as, like I said, a worse sin or, or something uh, more egregious when it's not. Um, but I think that's part of the ignorance within the church is I don't think we even fully understand how to categorize homosexuality correctly. Like, for instance, one of the questions I get a lot uh, as a counselor, one of the things I want to answer today is, is someone born with homosexual desires. Yeah, like or a is predisposition. It a right. Yeah. Are they born with it or is it a choice? Well, I would argue that they're born with it. And that's Like not, biologically, there's something... Not necessarily biologically, but when it comes to our sin nature, we're all born with sin, right? And sin, um, in, very simply put, wants to destroy everything that God has made in the in the way God has made it, right? Satan wants to destroy it. Sin came into the world. Sin is is us wanting to be our own gods. It's wanting to distort and destroy everything God's created in the way that he created it, right? Mm-hmm. And so when we're born, we're born with a sin nature, as separated from God, Romans 3.23, for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God, right? Um, every one of us have that sin nature because of Adam. Um, one of the my favorite verses that kind of breaks that down is uh, Romans 5. Um, verse 12. Let me find it here real quick. I think it'll lay out this argument really well for us. Romans 5 verse 12 says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, speaking of Adam, and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. So that makes it very clear. All of us have that sin nature because of the original sin of Adam and Eve. And when sin, it just manifests differently in different humans. Exactly. So what you can see throughout Like scripture, my attraction, sorry, but my attraction to a woman before mm-hmm. I'm married, lustful as it is, is no less of a sin than someone's attraction to someone of the opposite. Absolutely. Or the same sex. And the reason why, another reason why I can argue that homosexuality is, is in that sin nature is because anytime you see a society go fur- further and further away from God in Scripture, one of the first things that that happens is is sex is always distorted at the root of it. 
It's always a part of it. So when you see Sodom and Gomorrah, you see homosexuality. Um, that's in Genesis 19, um, where the angels come in that were even going to destroy it, and the men of the town are wanting to bring them out so they can know them or have sex with them. It just yeah. was part of what made that, like God looked upon that city and saw that it was completely corrupt, right? Mm-hmm. You see judges at, at, throughout judges as the society continued to go further and further away from God. You see Levitical priests with concubines. You see, like, sex is always a part of the distortion. Yeah. See Romans 1, verses 24 um, through 27. I'll read that for us as well. Should have stayed in Romans while we were talking about it. Sorry, you're good at the Bible drill. Yeah, I know. I got to go fast. Um, But if you read in Romans 1, starting in verse 24, uh, Paul says this. It says, Therefore God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions, for their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature, and the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves a due penalty for their error. And then that's in the same list as all the rest of the sins. You jump down to 29. It says they were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They were gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. I mean, so you see homosexuality in the same context as covetousness or um, disobedient to your parents or like, like it's all in the same vein of when a society worships the creature rather than creator which is breaking the first and greatest commandment where we see in Matthew I think it's uh, Matthew 34 I'll check that here in just a second I don't know I'm rattling off a bunch of scriptures here um, I think it's 34, 22 through 24, but it's the greatest commandments where it is, uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul, and love others as yourself. These are the two greatest commandments, mm-hmm. right? And so we see in the Old Testament, have no other gods before me. When we make ourselves our own gods and we worship the things that God has created, whether it be flesh, sexually, lustfully, um, material things, successes, whatever idolatries we make for ourselves to worship ourselves, that is the basis of sin. Those desires are natural to man without Christ. So therefore, we could say that when someone says, as young as I could remember, I always had an attraction to the same sex, we could say, I believe you. I think that's probably true. Right. It's not... and. It should give us some sort of compassion. Because what are people. some incorrect Christian ways of dealing with it? Most of the time, traditionally, you know, we've heard a lot of, you know, just rejection of of it's a choice. Like, well, they chose that lifestyle. Like, they chose to go against God and they chose to to have same-sex attraction. Right. That sometimes happens. I'm not saying that that never happens. I think a lot of people in just social scenes maybe get caught up in in it, and, and all, all of us are capable, because we all have sin, all of us are capable, the further away from God we go and the more we go into um, indulging our own physical lusts, I think any of us are capable of going down that path. Um, right, but not to say the person that has a predisposition to it is right. way far down that road. Like right. he just, or she, right. has that predisposition early on. Yeah, I think some people have that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Just like for myself, like I always struggle with anger or I always struggle with lust uh, of the opposite sex. And that's, since I can remember as a kid, that was, I didn't like wake up one day and decide I was going to be angry or decide that I I was going to uh, want to look at pornography or something like that. It's just like I had a craving for it and went down that path, right? Yeah. Um, but what I'm saying is the way sin nature works, just like, you know, Jesus says if you if you have anger in your heart, you have committed murder, right? Um, that doesn't mean that you are a murderer. It just means that, and that potential anger is what begins 
the road to something like committing murder. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, like that same sin nature is all is all there. And so I'm just I'm just saying on two sides of that spectrum, you could be someone who has always naturally had a same sex attraction and you could also be someone who has followed down a path of lust and ended up in that world too. That's why like it's judging the homosexual is it's kind of the um the speck in the log. Like Right. Right? Like you're telling them to get the speck out of their eye, you got a log in your own. Right. And with the same argument, what I'm trying to lay out here is not only is it possible for someone to to have that natural same-sex attraction because of the sin nature, what I'm also saying is it's equal to every other sin. And so, therefore, it shouldn't cause us to look upon someone with that struggle as less than us. We should be able to look upon them and have compassion because they're the same as us. Mm-hmm. Sin is sin. It is a breaking of God's original design and his the way he has set it up for his glory. So it should create in us a compassion, not a rejection. So we we as Christians should not look down upon or treat them as less than us. Right. We should speak truth in love, as the Bible tells us to. We should have love and compassion, but that doesn't mean having love and compassion does not mean that that we have to back down or, or agree that it's okay. Right. There may come a time at some point where you guys are talking about your beliefs and right. you shouldn't surrender your beliefs to make them right. feel better. So there are a few caveats I have for that. So when it comes to people around us who identifies as homosexual, right, or whatever the case may be in that, in that spectrum. Um, Transgender. Any, any of those. We should not have the expectation that they are going to have godly values if they do not know God. Mm-hmm. So therefore, treating them as if they should know God when they don't doesn't make any sense. Just like if you're building a relationship with someone else in your own world, we talk about this all the time, who doesn't know the Lord, but they they don't have that struggle, but they struggle with pornography. For some reason, it's easier for us to to love and be gentle and be patient in sharing the gospel with the person with pornography over the person who is who Well, yeah, that's because what they do, they do in private, and it doesn't offend us. Right. But when, when you're talking to a homosexual couple, it's like, mm-hmm. okay, this offends me in some way, which the offense may be wrong or right. It's probably but shouldn't, wrong. But shouldn't pornography offend us too? It should, but they do it in private so we don't see it in our face. It doesn't mean we don't know about it. You get, what I'm, you get what I'm saying? Like, yes, I, I hear what you're saying. I'm just playing the right. other side of the coin. Well, yeah, because what they're doing is it's just uncomfortable. Right. And why, like, right? okay, so you're uncomfortable. But, like, one thing we always say, you got to be comfortable in the uncomfortable. If you right. if you want to share the gospel, exactly. you got to get comfortable. <laughs> exactly. And we have to be mature enough as believers to be able to have the same compassion as our Savior Jesus did for us and does for us currently. And so I need to look upon them with compassion and treat them as God's creation and endure the uncomfortableness of the relationship for the purpose of loving them enough to to have gospel conversations. And and I want to be friends with them. I want to have them in my life and I want to be able to have those honest conversations for the purpose of them coming to know the Lord. Does that mean that if I stand on truth, no matter how compassionate that I am, that they will reject me? Yes, that is very possible. But I'm not going to, I'm going to make that hard on them. I'm going to make them reject me versus me treat them in such a way that they feel rejected by me. I want them to see that the gospel does not reject them. It rejects the sin, but it accepts them. Just like it accepts you and I, Christ paid for that sin. And the other caveat that I want to talk about is our goal in loving our neighbor in in context of homosexuality, my goal is not to make them attracted to the opposite sex. My goal is to help them see that Christ is greater and better than anything this world has to offer, and that they would deny themselves and they would take up their cross and follow Christ. However so that works itself clear, out. 
that that may be calling them to deal with their homosexuality the rest of their life and never ha- never having a partner. Maybe. And that's that's what it is. And if and if that's, that's the hard. road that God has called them to they can do that in in a way that glorifies God because it's not about this life. Right? We have an eternal perspective. Like they have the same spiritual blessings as we would have in Christ if right. they're denying that. The unfortunate thing for them is that they can't ignore their cross, whereas as a as a uh, heterosexual male, mm-hmm. I can be a Christian and still be drowning in lust with my wife, but it never come to light. Sure. And it's just unfortunate right. that they can't hide, mm-hmm. which is really a blessing because then ultimately you right. get to, like you have to pick up your cross and follow him. But right. to a lot of us Christians, right. we can hide in our sin because like the pornography. Mm-hmm. Now, I have seen, and I know many situations where someone struggled with homosexuality, came to know the Lord, and God did change that within them. And they did. The desire. And their desire did change, and they ended up getting married um, and having a, a great marriage. Oh, yeah. To, to the opposite sex. Um, but you're also not saying that that's but promised. I'm not, I'm not saying that that is, is the promise. Just like if I'm... If I'm sharing the gospel with someone who's addicted to alcohol, that person, although in Christ they will be made free and they will change, may never, may decide that it's better for them never to partake in alcohol ever again because it's it's too tempting and it leads them down a road. Or um, some people on the other side may be called to singleness and they have they have a desire for a spouse they are and they have heterosexual desires but they never end up finding a spouse like god never provides that for them and they do live the rest of their lives single and they have to deny themselves to things of pornography and masturbation and whatever to honor god with their bodies as well yeah it's the same thing and that's where i'm saying we now it's not our fault but i'm saying the way we've treated people has been a catalyst, I think, to push it to the level of civil rights, right? Where people, where the people, um, who which identify, is ironic because now it threatens our religious liberty in this right. country, which may be at our own hands. But don't hear me wrong; I'm not saying it's our fault that that the world is going this way. I'm just saying we've contributed, I think, to this, and we should take responsibility as Christians to change how our conduct is towards our lost brothers and sisters, or not brothers and sisters, but lost people in this world who God's created that could be future brothers and sisters as we share the gospel, to not reject them because of the sin that they have, because we have sin as well. Um, But at the same time, it does mean that we have to be honest about what we believe. So then that brings the other question is, well, why do why do we have to do this? Because I know many people, I know many situations, including myself. Like it, it would be better if it'd be easier if this wasn't such a big deal. Like that, that scripture didn't say that it was wrong, right? It'd be easier just to let people love whoever they want to love and be with whoever they want to be with, and that'd just sure, be yeah. easier, right? Well, the reason why we do that is because it's about God's glory, not our own. And the only way that you're going to stand firm is not for self-preservation. You're going to have to deny yourself and stand firm and 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 speak the truth about Christ because the most loving thing that we can do for people is show them Christ. And what we created what we were created for is God's glory. And so you're actually being unloving by not standing on the truth and not presenting the truth in love so that people can see Jesus and make their own decision about Christ. But then this is my last caveat, and I'll be done with all my little caveats. Because this is a complicated... They're just statements. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) Statements. But this is a complicated issue that I think is important for us to to look at each angle of it. Of course. Is you cannot make someone believe in Christ. And that's actually a a relieving statement. Our goal, just like any other situation, any anybody who's lost, is to love them well, show them Christ and tell them about Jesus. 
And if they don't choose Christ and they reject you for it because you identify with Christ, that's between them and God. And we know that the scriptures tell us that we will, if they rejected Jesus, if we're his followers, we should expect that we will have persecution and rejection as well if we stand firm. But if they do choose Christ, we rejoice because it was, it was God, it was the Holy Spirit, it was Jesus who opened their eyes to the truth, and he's the one who's going to change them. You don't have to worry about, well, this is hard because I don't see how they're going to ever change their lifestyle. You don't have to worry about that. Introduce them to Christ. Let, let the Holy Spirit do his thing. And when their hearts are changed, the Word of God and the Holy Spirit will do his work. And over time, they will change too. They will make choices for, for their faith, and they will yeah. change. It's not impossible. Um, and I think sometimes when we see situations like that, we think to ourselves, this is, they, they went too far down a road. It's impossible. Yeah. But that's no more a miracle than anybody coming to the Lord. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Um, and so we just stay faithful. We love people well. We let them know we care. And we tell them about Christ. And, and you can disagree and you can stand firm on the truth, but you can do it in love. So how important is it for a Christian to not surrender this um, belief that is biblical? And we, we both would believe that it's, mm-hmm. it comes from a biblical worldview. So maybe talk to how important, it, how important is it to have a biblical worldview on this and not surrender it to the world? And I ask that because I see a lot of Christians who are very— sympathetic to the social justice movement. Mm-hmm. Sure. And I, I get it. Yeah. They're just caring for people, equality for all. Sure. And so, you know, unfortunately the needle keeps getting moved further mm-hmm. and further of who are people. And I mean, not who are people, but right. you know what I'm saying? So it just, I can tell Christians are kind of like, yeah, we're for this. And then they get in this, well, shoot, like we didn't sign up for all this. But I believe it comes from this, like, ignorance to the fact that they don't understand they've they've gotten off of the script of a biblical worldview. Mm-hmm. So where does this play into that? Well, first and foremost, what we have to understand is our life is not our own as Christians. When we when we accept Christ as our savior, we deny ourselves and we we accept him and and we conform to his image, not our own. And then we realize biblically that we were created for the glory of God and to be image bearers of him. That's our first and foremost priority. And so don't mistake compassion with acceptance. You can be compassionate and be heartbroken. You should be heartbroken over over the sin of the world, and, and you should care deeply about your neighbors and your friends. You should have compassion. And that compassion should drive speaking the truth. If you truly believe that Christ is the Savior of the world, that our sin needs save, needs salvation, that God is who he says he is, that Jesus is who he says he is, and if Christ is Lord, then the Bible is true because the Bible, the words of Scripture, are wrapped around Jesus, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Um, and so we believe the Bible is inerrant and true, truly God's Word. Then the most loving thing that we can do is show them Christ. Because even if they gain the whole world, the Bible says, okay, let's say in your compassion or your love, you just fully accept and just say, it's okay. It's okay that they don't trust God. It's okay that they don't um, bear the image, that they don't care about the way God's designed things or created things. They don't believe in God at all because you can't have both. Right, and in your love for them, tolerance, your tolerance for them, you know, you believe that that's the most loving thing you can do for them. Well, what about eternity? What about hell? What about an eternal separation from God, not only in this life but forever? You're not truly loving them because you're you're willing out of self-preservation and not wanting to cause a rift mm-hmm. to allow someone 
to spend eternity apart from God. You don't actually love them. You love yourself. Exactly. And you want to be you want to be on the right side of history by siding with them now right. before it becomes a foregone conclusion that mm-hmm. it's normative. Yeah. And trust me, I wish it was easier. Listen, in my own flesh, do I actually care who someone lives with, loves, calls husband and wife? Not really in my own flesh. Right. Why do I care? Because I believe in God and I look at his word and, and, and I know that he created it for a reason, for a purpose. And I know that sin is distorting all of what he created. And so that's what drives my like conviction, right? Mm-hmm. And so I don't want to be the person that has to say, don't do this. But I'm willing to say it because I want them to know the same Christ that I know. And I have to ask for God for strength and courage, but I'm willing to even be hated by them so that they could know the truth about Christ so that they could ultimately be saved. Yeah. You know? It seems like maybe sometimes Christians, they kind of take a stance starting in that vein, but then they just kind of overdo it and it becomes not gentle. It becomes like they're overcompensating for the hard truth that they know they're giving them. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. And it, be, it comes comes off as hateful. Well, it's because, once again, it's, self, it's, so, it's still rooted in self and self-preservation. What do you do when you got to say something hard and you just want to get it over with? You just say it recklessly and, you know, and like— authoritatively. Right. Because you like, want to get the point across. It's like if there's a room with a beehive in it and you got to get something out of it, you run in real fast and run back out and slam the door behind you. <laughs> Oh, I got it over with. I didn't get stung, right? It takes courage and humility to sit in it and pay, like to be patient, to go in day in and day out and be a friend and know that you disagree with a lifestyle choice, but that you love them. And so you're going to deal with the awkwardness and show them you care and be there, even when it means that you'll have to have some hard conversations at times. Yeah. But that that takes humility and courage, which only comes from denying yourself and trusting Christ and wanting them to see Jesus more than they see you. Mm-hmm. And that's really hard. I'm saying that from a place of it's hard for me too. Well, okay, play out some scenarios. How do you see it going, mm-hmm. um, building a relationship with a couple, asking for a friend? <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, I mean, like maybe I, the first gospel I th- conversation. I or- think in some ways you treat it like you would anybody else you're building a relationship with. Like you try to get to know them and things that they like. Oh, yeah, I know all that. You know, but all like that kind of once it gets into the gospel conversation, what does that look like? Because it probably will right. uh, gravitate towards the ultimate question I think, right away. I think the biggest thing, I'll, I'll speak from my own experiences even as a counselor because I've counseled many people who come in saying that they ha- that they feel this way, same-sex attractions, they, they don't believe that it's wrong, you know, had these conversations. And the biggest thing that I try to do is I try to put things in its proper place, meaning first thing I try to do is help them see that we're equal. That, hey, what you're struggling with is no different than my own sin struggle. And I make it about what the Bible says about sin, not about, I try to take it away from the identity of I am homosexual. No, you're not. Your, and I usually say their name, who struggles with homosexual desires. Just like I'm Chad, who struggles with desire to be angry, a desire to to lust and look at pornography or sleep around. You know, I, I start naming things that I struggle with. I try to show that I'm, we're talking from an equal perspective. It's not like I'm in this camp and you're But at the same camp. time, you're drawing a line in the sand like, but this is sin. But biblically, and then where I go next is I'm going to show you why I believe it to be sin. And I let them know I'm not saying this because I have a preference. Because I believe in Jesus, which means I have to believe in his word, it means that I have to take him at his word, and this is what his word says. Mm -hmm. Not because I have a preference. Not because I think you're weird that you have same-sex attraction, and so I reject that, and I'm just looking for a reason to justify my rejection. Right. I'm coming, I don't really care in my own, like if it wasn't in scripture, I wouldn't care. <laughs> At the end of the day, I wouldn't fight for it, I wouldn't argue over it. Mm-hmm. it. It would be different than what I feel, but who cares? 
I argue it because it's in Scripture, therefore I hold to it because my life's about God, not about myself. Mm-hmm. So therefore, this is why I believe it to be this way. And honestly, in most cases, I've had some people, you know, come to know the Lord or, or change. But in a lot of cases, I get a lot of agree to disagree, but they at least yeah. respect how I came about it and that they didn't feel like I looked down upon them in, in a lot of situations. They, right. they don't agree with me or they think I'm wrong or they think whatever Have you think, seen it but, where they agree to disagree but still are able to like hear and receive Christ? Um, if they don't end up wrestling with the word of God, usually it goes the way of like, we're not really close friends anymore. <laughs> right. We don't have a hateful relationship where they don't like hate me like outwardly, but they don't exactly want to hang out anymore. <laughs> right. I hated to say it that way, but I mean, when it, when something's so much tied into your identity, it's I, I can understand why it'd be tough to want to hang out with me long term if you know that's how I feel about. Well, it. Well, naturally, as humans, we want to hang out with people that are similar to us. Absolutely. Now, as Christians, we're we're motivated by the love of Christ, not yeah. our own desires. So we want to hang out mm-hmm. with people to share the love of Christ. And that's why I say, like, I just want people to be understanding that we need to deal with it in love and compassion. But but realize it may mean that they don't want to be friends with you anymore once they. Once you have that conversation, that's definitely on the table. Yeah, so, but you wouldn't recommend, like, avoiding it. No, 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 no. I treat, I treat them like I do anyone else. Like, I just love them. I try to build a relationship, knowing that I'm going to try to bring up Jesus. And anytime I bring up Jesus, they're going to bring up. Right, that's where they're going to start, probably. Absolutely. And so then I have the conversation about, biblically, what the Bible says and why I hold to what it says. I do the whole Jesus is either liar, lunatic, or Lord, C.S. Lewis. Yeah. Like, if he's Lord, then I have to take him at his word. The scriptures are then inerrant if we believe in Jesus. So, therefore, I have to hold to that. Okay, can we talk about this? Maybe not. Um, like, when I was being led astray by progressive Christians, like, they were saying that the Bible doesn't actually say that homosexuality is a sin. Well, I, like, just, I just read a whole passage. About I know, it. <laughs> but they will say that anytime it says homosexuality, it means something different. Like they just redefine the words. Well, you, sure. I mean, any, anytime you want to make something, whatever you want it to be, you can do that, right? Alice in Wonderland. So <laughs> right. Well, that doesn't, down. doesn't mean that it's right. But you've never been exposed to those arguments? Oh, yeah, for sure. But uh, we'll save it for other podcasts. But I'll just say quickly, they're wrong. <laughs> All righty. I mean, you can re- you can reject that you believe the Bible is inerrant, but you can't try to like pick and choose what you want to be in the Bible to make it fit what you want. It says what it says. Yeah, and it's very clear about it, and and it's it only makes sense because if you read in Genesis one, God created a man and woman. He set up the nuclear family. God made it for the purpose of spreading the gospel. The reason why God created the family in the way that He did was it's in the image of Himself, and as you are fruitful and multiply. You're teaching your kids the gospel, and it's and it's spreading throughout the world to be image bearers of God. Like that's the purpose. I think one of the arguments for homosexuality, why God would have created it that way, is to it's a uh, population control. Yeah, I'm, I don't think God's that worried about that. Is <laughs> Earth running out of space? Yeah, I mean that's just it doesn't give God a lot of glory. Yeah, in that way, like God can handle. He had to come up with this that. other idea to handle. But then that, now people. you're getting into. A, like a God's sovereignty and power. Like, come on. God's not that weak. He, mm-hmm. can, he can deal with whatever he puts Right, forth. it cheapens who God is by right. saying that he needed to do that. Right. But that, those are, like I said, those are arguments that, that, are, that are just self-motivated to prove a point that you want to be true. Well, I'll bring them up because when I was in that mindset, I wasn't rooted in a biblical worldview. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know that was a thing. Right. Offhanded comments like, "Oh, Bible's got tons of errors." I'm like, "Oh, I didn't know that." Like, who are you? Who do you? You just—I didn't even know who said it. I just heard it, and now I think it's true. Now I'm doubting the Bible. And so, as a Christian, like, right. not trained in the Scriptures, not training a biblical worldview, it doesn't take much to like derail me. Mm-hmm. And with the like, with our culture and our society, we're very post-Christian now. Mm-hmm. Mainstream yeah. media is like, I was watching what was a it was an Instagram share. Someone gave it, someone showed it to me, but uh, it was a guy on the news mm-hmm. saying, This isn't a race issue, it's a sin issue. And he was sharing the gospel. He's like, Jesus Christ came and 
like he was on a uh, Fox News and it mm-hmm. just shut off green screen and the anchor was like, "Oh man, just like that we lost him." <laughs> yeah. But he was sharing the gospel and like so. Whereas you know, thirty years ago, it'd have been normal to hear the gospel. Maybe sure. I don't know. At least it would have been allowed to have been said on mainstream. For yeah, sure. like Billy Graham was on like all the famous talk show. Yeah, posts. for sure. So it, now we're in this uh, post-Christian era that mm-hmm. is so easy for Christians that are not trained in the scriptures and in a biblical worldview to to be taken captive by a social justice warrior mm-hmm. who is all is for love and equality and all these good things. Right. Um, and so these arguments, you know, as right. unbased as they are, like they still have a lot of power and a culture that is very shallow in their understanding of anything. Right. You see that with everything that's going on. It's because people don't understand history. They don't remember, like they don't know historical Christianity. Mm-hmm. And so it's easy to not believe the scripture. They don't know the the history of America and government. Mm-hmm. And so it's easy to like get swept away with all the political movements. And so it's just tough for that Christian to know what's right, which mm-hmm. is why we harp on the biblical worldview. It's not just something that by default happens. Like we mm-hmm. have to, tr- unless as a kid, you grow up in a home, you know, in a good church with a, with a father who is leading you and a mother who's leading you spiritually, mm-hmm. you're going to get a biblical worldview naturally. Right. That's great. That's a blessing. That's a grace of God. But in today's age, when you go to college, mm-hmm. like if you are not firmly ranted, planted in the scripture, you are by percentage, 70, 90% of students are going to walk away from their faith mm-hmm. by the end of their freshman year in high school, uh, college. So now as adults, we have to train ourselves to have a biblical worldview. Absolutely. Which is almost easier now because, like, it's every day something's coming out where we got to think about it. Mm-hmm. You know, like with the George Floyd thing, we got to think. We cannot ignore right. that. Like, the whole world's talking about it, mm-hmm. you know? And we got to know how to navigate things biblically, like you're saying. You know, one thing I'll say about the George Floyd situation, we did a podcast about it with even Pastor Lonnie. And one thing I want to clarify is we, here at the Change Up, here at the Field Church, we stand behind our support of our black brothers and sisters, and we definitely believe that black lives matter as well as every other race, life, anyone created in the image of God matters. And um, and so you saw many of us, you know, do the Black Tuesday, all this kind of stuff to support. However, we do not stand behind the Black Lives Matter organization because if you read what they believe and that they follow, they're more about breaking down the nuclear family. Uh, they have a lot of... Um, agendas that support um, the homosexual movement and and all kinds of different things that they are all about and agendas they're pushing that are not biblical that we don't support as Christians or as a church. And so I just want to make that clarification. And that's hard because we want to we want to walk hand in hand with people in compassion and love our neighbors and our friends um, because of a lot of racism that they face and and we see that and we want to show support of that. But um we just wanted to clarify because we're all, we're not saying that just because we believe in Black Lives Matter that we believe in the agenda of the Black Lives Matters organization. Right. And what they're fighting for is equality and justice and they're giving people hope, but the way they're they're doing it from a different worldview. Yeah. Like, they believe that humans at their core, Mm -hmm. and this may not be what they actually believe. Like, on their side, it does talk about we disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family structure requirement by by supporting each other as extended families and villages that collectively care for one another, especially children, which, like, sounds great on the surface. Right. But when you you see what they're actually saying, we foster a queer-affirming network. When we gather, we do so with the intention of freeing ourselves from the tight grip of heteronormative thinking, I read that as a biblical worldview, a classic Christianity right. worldview. And so we stand, we have different visions of humanity. Absolutely. Where we agree is that racism is not okay. Right. That's where that's the only place we agree. Yeah. Um, and we do want to fight for equality for everyone, every race. Um and specifically, we want to stand beside our African-American brothers and sisters who have experienced a lot of uh, unique 
traumas um, throughout the decades and centuries. And so we want to we want to stand with that, but we're not in support of uh, a worldview that's not biblical. Right. And so the gospel is always the key in all these situations. And the last thing I'll say is when you stand firm on the gospel, be ready to deny yourself and take up your cross and follow Jesus and know that it will come with trials and it will come with hardships. And that's okay because it's about loving God and loving others more than you love yourself. Yeah, and one thing you've always said, which I've seen to be true in the past year, the gospel thrives in real life. And Mm -hmm. we're seeing like more real life happening now that you can't ignore. Right. You know? Absolutely. And so that just helps the gospel message. So take hope in that the gospel thrives in these times. Absolutely. So I hope this was helpful. I know this is a controversial topic. Um, So I know we covered a lot of different little areas of it, and we didn't exhaust any of them to the degree they could be, but I hope to just help begin to think biblically about this subject. Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for listening to the Change Up Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode, but most importantly, we hope it helped. And if it did, please share it with a friend or someone you may be discipling. Also, you can like us on Facebook and Instagram. You can reach us via either of those channels if you have any questions or topics that you'd like us to cover. We appreciate your guys' support and would also like to thank the Field Church in Mandeville, Louisiana for hosting and producing this podcast. If you don't have a home church, then please look it up at thefieldnola.com. We're not currently holding services due to the COVID-19 crisis, but if you go to The Field Church on Facebook, you can see all that we are doing for the members. Daily devotionals, daily praying through the Psalms. We have a live streaming of our services on Sunday morning at 1015, and just a bunch more ways to get connected to a very active church body. So thanks again, guys. Be blessed. Be blessed.